it was a, another little hit of sort of adrenaline. It's just sort of make sure you know what you're doing. Don't get carried away. There'll be some good people around. Just don't blow it. Just do what you do. Like I've had a lot of good technical races this year, so I know I can do it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Run-In. We have got an exciting episode today talking to Johnny Crickmore. Will isn't with me. He, in his own words, is absolutely slammed with work at the moment. Uh, So he is going to take this one off and I'll just have a chat to Johnny. And it's very, very good timing for him because we've just come back from the World Cup in Sweden where he was uh, racing all the three races and part of the uh, sprint relay team that finished in as the fourth place nation. But he's also just had the news of a call up to the World Championships for the knockout sprint as part of the team that's going there. Um, Johnny, congratulations, first of all, on the selection. Um when did you hear? Well, we heard, got a, got a phone call on the Monday. So we knew they were having a meeting Monday morning. So it's sort of that, that waiting around on Monday to see if you get the phone call. But the phone call can be good or bad. I've, I've had, have had both in the last few years, but it was uh, yeah, really exciting. And then see the next day it went public. And so you can sort of share that happiness with a few more people. And yeah, it's, it's a pretty exciting time for me. Were you? What were you expecting them to say? Did you really? Did you know you had it in the bag? Did you not think you had it in the bag? I was pretty confident on the knockout because I'd had some good good test races, but obviously there's quite a lot of depth in the team at the moment, and there's ways the selectors can see things that obviously can favour others, and there's obviously lots of people who are just as good as me and just it was a relief and yeah really happy to just (laughs) have the opportunity to go and prove myself was it was it quite a nervous day then knowing they had the selections in the morning to wait and be like who are they are they calling when are they going to call a bit we did get back from uh sweden and i got back to my house at about 3 a.m so i managed to uh get through the nerves by sleeping quite a lot so uh, <laughs> which was it was quite nice so yeah it, it wasn't too bad on Monday and been there before so you just sort of get on with it and wait around yeah yeah and then you, and then you, you have that phone call and, and the relief I guess as well well let's talk then a bit about the World Cup that we just had in um in Sweden let's talk about all the different kind of races so we started off with the um the sprint race I'm kind of calling it a classic sprint now because we don't have like now we have the knockout sprint and the sprint relay it feels like the sprint has now become the classic race of all of those um why don't you describe the the terrain that we we were in it was fairly sort of standard Swedish I'm not sure housing estate is the correct word but Swedish sort of apartment blocks with sort of buildings with grassy areas in between and it's not too dissimilar on the map to a lot of British areas and that there's sort of gaps between buildings and like grass to cut across and the old map was it didn't look like it would be that interesting but with the new map they sort of there was a lot more hedges and they they managed to make it with the hedges and a few extra barriers, 
they actually really produce some some really good courses and I have to yeah commend the planners on actually doing a really good job of making some some really interesting courses with route choices some fine navigation as well and it was it was a really good tough individual sprint and uh, yeah yeah, great to start off with. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you said it's really hard to, because I get to pre-run the courses, but I'm not running them at race pace because we're often like testing the different routes out between the between the controls. Like I will go one way and Jonas will go the other way, and we just kind of see what it's like. So it's still hard to get a, uh, and then even just seeing it, seeing the map, it's hard to get a feel of what it's like running at speed. Yeah, there was definitely some some big routes you really had to sort of make sure you got murray murray strain our, our sprint guru at the moment he's really he's really been great helping with us in the gv squad sort of did a bit of analysis and the general theme that there's sort of maybe a couple of good routes and a bad route mm. or a, a perfect route a good route and then a bad route and really the aim of the game is just to not pick the bad one yeah so occasionally you won't always get perfect but if you've got the good ones you're still going to get a good result it's really just trying to make sure you stay on it enough to not pick that route that's 10 seconds longer and can really push you down the results quite quickly yeah and if you then choose maybe if you choose one bad route you can get away with it but then if you choose five <laughs> bad routes then that's really when the time starts to add up isn't it yeah and then you've got to start running further than everyone and that's nobody wants to do that not at all so, so how, that, that's how, not the aim of the game <laughs> how did your race go i think you were like middle of the table in the end but did you did you pick those good routes yeah technically i actually looking back on it i had a I had a pretty good race and i just yeah i i don't know what happened but physically just really was struggling a bit it's not been i haven't had the greatest sort of lead up with my training and it was the back half the hills just just did for me <laughs> to put it bluntly and started sort of shedding places in the second half of the course which was annoying but I sort of looking like I've done a bit of looking back on it now and on the day I I was technically good I think I only took one or two of these bad route choices and when there's 15 of them that's that's a acceptable outcome for me so I'm, I'm I'm happy the result is not as nice as I'd like <laughs> and what I've what I've had previously but you've just gotta gotta work with what you've got and there's definitely easy ways for me to improve and it's just good to get another good technical performance in this year yeah so tell me a little bit about your your preparation has it been a, a less than ideal winter shall we say the winter was fairly good. I've sort of had some injuries for the last like year and a half, but mm. I was actually pretty good through winter. And yeah, at the beginning of the year, January, February was in the gym a bit more than I'd like on the bike, but I got to sprint Scotland at middle of March and was in a really good place with what, like with where I wanted and was running well. And I knew at that stage, I just needed four to six weeks to sort of go from perfect base, good base to like elite racing. And unfortunately since then sort of have been hit by a bit of illness and injury. And I think I'm in a similar spot where I just need a few weeks 
and I think I can really make some big jumps and that's that's the plan going forward so I'm confident that I've got a lot more when it comes to the next competitions yeah well we'll come on to um yeah your preparations that you're going to do um ahead of the ahead of those world championships now you know what you're going to do between now and then in a in a little bit but maybe let's go on to then the oh I want to also I want to come back actually to the the sprint re to the sprint because it wasn't without I think all the races had a little bit of a controversy we were talking about it a little bit on our on our way home from Sweden and I guess the the biggest one was on on the sprint where it was Chris Jones running down the the finish shoot uh crossing the line which turned off his you know SI air turned off his SIAC then he had to double back and then go and manually punch the rest of the rest of the course um he was not happy at the finish line <laughs> to put it mildly um as i was commentating i think the, i think the cameras picked up a little bit of bad language there um but how did you see it from your perspective yeah so so we did get told that it was sort of left for the arena passage and right for the run through but we didn't realize it was sort of it was very quickly after the control and you came through the control and you were you were pushed to the sort of right hand barrier mm. and then i i looked at my map for about half a second and looked up and i'd already gone past the sort of switch point so mm. like a lot of others sort of jumped the cones um then sort of carried on my way and but i i can see how we did it and <laughs> Yeah, it's almost when you when you're running down in the run through, you actually want to be oriented. You want to be looking at your map like that's yeah. almost some like dead time where you don't really need to think about where you're going. Except obviously, then you did need to think about where you're going. <laughs> yeah, the next leg was really really hard. Mm. There was sort of it was a I big think that route was, choice. Like, the, the most decisive leg of all of yeah. them for me. A yeah. big yeah, a big route choice, and the straight route was very like wiggle like lots of fences. So it was it took a lot of time to understand it. And I don't know, I think they just needed a big guy in orange shouting at everybody <laughs> just to, just, even if you didn't point which way, just to sort of say, hi, I'm the split. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Me, split or, here, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I see it feel really bad for Chris because he's <laughs> he's had a few, few, few bad luck incidents sort yeah, of in the yes. last, in a few competitions mm. and, it's sort of it just feels like it's always him and hopefully... i mean what, what would you guess you you lose every every control if you do that at least two seconds per control maybe you know and he was 36 seconds behind the winner and there were 12 controls left on the course <laughs> you know so if you're manually punching adding two seconds per every control that was 20 plus 24 seconds straight away i don't know yeah P possibly and i think the other aspects it's the sort of mental like you saw how he was at the finish. Yeah. I I don't know how he he coped in the the back half because there's always going to be this side bit of your brain that's stressing and like blooming <laughs> <laughs> organizers or whatever. And like it it must have been hard for him to actually concentrate on his 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 plans and his technique. But it's still it's just it shows how how good he can be that he still got a ninth place. I think ninth. After, yeah eighth or not i think it was eighth, eighth yeah eighth sorry after, after that and it's yeah 
this is not the end of Chris Jones. There'll be, <laughs> he'll get it together. And it's, it's, it's so much fun racing with, with all the team at the moment. It's, mm. it's so strong. And I remember this in Switzerland in 2019. It yes, was just when, such um, a... Yeah, when Ralph and Chris got through to the final of the knockout sprint, I think Ralph got a medal or something, yeah. Ralph got a medal and yeah, and then Chris got on a medal in the individual mm. the next day. Yep. And the girls, Alice and Meg and Charlotte are all outstanding and we just came away from that and it just felt like we were so, we were on fire as a country and mm. we've kept we've kept it going and it's it's a really exciting time to be part of the GB team. Well, that was what was so gutting about, um, you know, COVID coming at that time and, and walk being cancelled is that there was such that positivity in the team coming out of that race, those races in Switzerland, because the team had had some good results and everyone was getting ready to go into the, the world championships with with a really strong team. But luckily, it hasn't gone away. And you've got the whole set of great results as well to kind of, you know, from from this last race to motivate the team into the world championships, I think, and give that give them confidence. Yeah, I mean, the people who were good in Switzerland are still amazing. And then there's there's more joining them and there's more coming up. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's fantastic to see and makes makes my life harder, but I'd much rather have it that way around. <laughs> you, de- you definitely want to feel like you're earning, you're earning your spot and pushing others. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's fantastic to see. Well, you earned your spot uh, for the knockout sprint and that was the, the next race um, in Sweden. So that was on the, the Saturday and it was the qualification, the uh, quarters, semis and final all in one day. Um, and it was a very early start for your qualification, I thought. Um, and how did that one go for you? Again, it was one that had a bit of controversy in the, in the mapping. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this the, the qualification was by far my best race of the weekend and one of my best races in a long time honestly 8 30 in the morning that is pretty ideal for me okay I'm, I'm, a, I'm a morning person i'm pretty much always training sort of before breakfast can happily do sessions so yeah it's, it's not my ideal start time but i know when a lot of other people might struggle it's it's probably going to benefit me i think also the course just absolutely suited me perfectly it was extremely wiggly and fiddly and sort of technical not too much of these sort of long straight sort of pick a route and then run it it was you had to pick these routes but they were very short and constantly turning and I'm I'm definitely a bit stronger on the sort of agility side and uh, flowing through controls rather than the sort of 500 600 meter running legs and yeah, I, I just made the most of it. I just, it was going to be an insanely hard job to qualify. So I, I had a good run on Thursday and came 57th. Yeah. And you had to be top 36. Yeah. So top 12 in each heat. And so I just, I just went out and absolutely went for it and was just sort of <laughs> on the limit the whole way, like half a controller, controller ahead. Mm. No, never more than one control ahead and just really pushing and yeah thankfully just made it made it all the way around pretty safe and yeah I was coming down the run in and Murray was streaming Murray was sort of screaming like get in there Johnny and it was sort of like <laughs> okay if he's not cheering me on to run faster I must have done something good and it was a reverse starting list so the best mm. went off first yeah so I think I was ranked like 11th in my heat 
And like I look at that start list and if I beat any of those 10 people ahead of me, that's a great result. And I come in in like third and fourth and I just know that that's pretty much going to be safe. And it's a pretty fantastic feeling to, yeah. to, to get that done and just whatever happens next, it's, it's, it's a good day. Yeah, you've made the qualifier. You've you've got through that qualifier. And yeah. explain to the listeners who who might not necessarily be aware why it's so hard to qualify, especially at a World Cup as opposed to a World Championships. So, to qualify, there was three heats and twelve go through in each heat. So there's thirty six people in total mm. at a World Champ. So the individual at a World Champs is forty five to qualify because mm. it's 15 in each heat for the knockout it'll be 36 but the main difference is at the world champs you're sort of typically stronger nations switzerland sweden they have three maybe four runners yeah here they've got eight <laughs> yeah. so <laughs> there's and yeah. all eight of those qualified i think 13 swedes qualified through to the final and like 12 norwegians or something yeah and they wouldn't even have that many in their whole team at a world championships yeah, yeah so I, I mean in all the heats there was people who won world cups getting mm. knocked out world champions getting knocked out sort of really elite people getting knocked out because the gaps were sort of I think I in think my heat it was about 23, be, yeah. 24 seconds down yeah. to 12th place from first, yeah. Yeah. which is just, that's that's tiny, tiny, tiny margins. So, Yeah, you was, can't yeah. afford, I guess you can't afford to, you know, to hold back at all, even if you're a world champion, because, you know, you can't hold any energy back for the later races because the, the margin of qualification is so tight. Yeah, it's just... It's an extremely dangerous game if you want to start trying to save some energy because you don't even, quite often don't even know if you've taken a bad route. So you mm. could execute everything perfectly, but if you've taken two bad routes, lost 15 seconds, you're you're very close to the limit then already. And yeah, I, obviously it, it never crossed my mind to even consider taking anything easy. So no. the <laughs> no, world I... champs will be a, a slightly different concept as it is a bit easier to qualify, but I still think it's going to be some some very short time gaps, especially as it's it's not a full length sprint. Mm. So if you make a mistake, you don't have 15 minutes to make it up. You've only got 11 or nine, mm. however long they choose to make it. Yeah, you've really got to make it all count and you can't you can't let up. You can't play it easy because if you're the one who plays it easy, <laughs> you're going to be the one who doesn't qualify at all. And one of those who didn't qualify um was someone who had a little bit of a moan afterwards <laughs> it was daniel hoodman um <laughs> like i mean being world class for those who don't know world class swiss runner for years and years and years and years like you, you keep thinking he's going to retire and he just doesn't he keeps he keeps being world class um but there was a little section to do with some of the out of bounds that was mapped a bit weirdly yeah there was just a couple of controls in this weird kind of and they like star, not star shaped, but sort of circular road with buildings pointing out from it. And they'd put a lot of uncrossable barriers, like fake, fake barriers between these buildings. But there was also some little bits of garden. So they only put the barriers like between the gardens, but these gardens were, were really tiny and sometimes covered by a red line or 
had a contour through or it was it, I can see why it was challenging to or to think why there was a gap mm. I have a vague memory of just looking in that whole area to see if there was a sneaky wiggle route which I think is what Daniel tried to do mm. and I just I couldn't I didn't I just I just saw it and was like I don't know I'm just gonna go all the way around and mm. played it safe but and I think it caught works. a lot of people out and yeah I I, I sympathize a bit with them because in especially in a race it was pretty challenging to to see some of them and yeah hopefully hopefully something to learn going forwards for sort mm. of mapping and organizing side mm. yeah hopefully and then for you, it was, uh, you know, you made it through uh, the qualification. You got the quarter final, which I think was like half past two, something like that, or uh, maybe slightly later for you guys. Um, what do you do between the race and then the, and then the quarter final? So we were quite lucky in that our accommodation was about 3K away and we were allowed to leave. Mm. So I just finished, had banana, cereal bar, like a drink and then just jogged back to the accommodation so we didn't have to wait for others to finish or mm. wait for a car or anything and this this was really nice actually so I just got back had my sort of second second bowl of porridge for the day and then uh actually just just went to bed <laughs> <laughs> for, for an hour or two amazing mm, are you yeah. someone who likes to because there is a difference in in different people like to kind of work in different ways. Are you someone who who likes to leave an event quite quickly? Are you someone who likes to kind of stay around and watch and take in a bit of the atmosphere? Because I know, or do you not mind? Because I know some people have have different preferences on this. I am a massive fanboy and I love to stay around and watch, <laughs> but it is not conducive for good performances later on. So I needed to get out of there <laughs> for my own good. <laughs> Fair enough. So, you get too wrapped up in it all. Exactly. <laughs> like, so I was just tunnel vision, like, come on, you've got, I, I did hang around at the finish and chatted to sort of some other guys mm. like Tim, like, and just, just see what happened in their races. But yeah, I was trying to, trying to just get back and just, just calm down because it was another five, six hours or whatever to, maybe not that long, quite a long time until the next race. Mm. So I just needed to sort of let the adrenaline sit because I was very excited after finishing and finding yeah. out the result. So Yeah, bring the heart rate back down, get yeah. relaxed <laughs> and then and then get back again. And then how did how did how how did your um your quarterfinal go then? Yeah, fairly, fairly good. Felt like I got you know, a nice, nice heat with Gustav and Casper. That was fun. But, uh, <laughs> Deadly heat. Oh well, I, I was, I did uh, the Danish test races a couple of weeks ago, mm. and in the quarterfinal, outkicked Casper for third place. So I was like, I'm gonna Ooh. do, I can do, I can do that again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and but, uh, and I was, I was excited because I knew it's gonna start in the forest, and mm -hmm. I like a, I like a bit of forest, especially runnable, fast. Yep full speed so well, we've had a bit of forest sprint it wasn't it sprint scotland there was some forest sprint yeah, this year so that, you know that, we're used to it yeah and that that really suited me and so it's like if i can do that again and i just my main goal was just to to be in the race so in switzerland in 2019 i did similar had a fantastic qualifier 
got to the quarterfinal and then it was butterflies and the, the second control or something, I just, I just ran the wrong way and blew 20 seconds and just cruised around in last place. And it was just, even if I wasn't good enough to qualify, I was really annoyed that I didn't give myself the opportunity to be in the race. So that was my main goal here was just, just have the opportunity, be with these guys when it mattered. If, if they are better than you, they're better than you, but don't lose it yourself. So the first sort of two controls in the forest were runner's choice, but between the six of us, someone ended up on all, all the different, uh, choices, Mm. but we all, we all came back together at the third control in a line. And then it was sort of six controls in these sort of fiddly ornamental gardens, sort of hedges, walls, steps, this sort of thing. And I just, I just, my plan was just to try and stay near the front and do some map reading, but it was more important to like stay near the front of this group. So I sort of, I had, I had a good idea of like the routes, but maybe hadn't picked the best one. And it was sort of a case of being third in line. One goes one way, one goes the other. And it's like, oh, who do I trust more? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and this was this is fine. It, it's it's really hard to drop people in these fiddly areas. Mm. So, like, I was pretty comfortably staying with people and sort of trying to stay near the front as well, so that if it did start opening up, I wouldn't like be starting with a deficit. I'd I'd be at the front mm. or near the front, and yeah, and and that happened and. Then we just hit this long, long leg sort of back towards the town. It was a sort of an overall round route choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I chose round. Um, I don't really think there was anything in it, but this is where I just I just didn't have the legs. And I didn't lose too much, but it was just, just 10 meters. And and then the, and the, the last... And then, yeah. Yeah, I, was, I think I was in like sort of fifth at this point, mm-hmm. and then the last the last K was just dead running, like really really easy orienteering, and I just yeah. So it's yeah, the just, opposite, like of the quarter of the qualification. Sorry, that that the qualification super suited you, and then that, the end part of that race just yeah. really wasn't your your kind of orienteering. Yeah, if they like flipped the race around, like started at the finish and finished at the start, mm. I think I'd, I'd have been quite happy because. I can sort of you can keep in there and then when it when it gets to the interesting stuff like you can make you can make sort of decisive route choices on these sort of short things where even if you take a route that's one second two seconds quicker like you get two or three meters and it's hard to hard to get that back when it's sort of technical but yeah I, I just didn't have the legs and I'm there's nothing I can do and I'm really happy how I executed it and I know I know what I need to do for for walk and that's get quicker in the next two or three weeks and that's easily possible so mm. um yeah I'm, I'm happy it, it went as well as I hoped yeah it's pretty good le- this... learned a lot as well yeah so. what, go on, what did you learn what was the main thing that you learned I think I think it's sort of the the level of contact I needed with the map and like I knew when there were times that it was worth looking at it and other times it wasn't. So it's something, it's something I've sort of tried to work out in knockouts 
like you don't need to navigate every leg, but you need to navigate the important legs. And it's, but then the hard choice is what is an important leg. And it's sort of, it's trying to, trying to work out these tactics because I've tried them all from don't look at the map at all for the whole race or like, obviously if you know it's, if you know it's ungaffled, which mm. is, it's really easy to tell. Mm. But then you've also got the, when you try and out navigate and this is like a, a really useful tactic as well. And I, I mean, the optimum, some, some middle ground, I think, and it's, it's trying to understand that and what terrain can do that for you. So there'll be and, a lot of looking at, mm. looking at Denmark to see what, what to do. And is it often that you're more likely to want to out navigate someone towards the end of a race? Yeah. So it was a bit different, but the Danish test races I did for the, I made it through to the semi and the semi and the final, the pretty much the last leg, I think it was the second last, but it was a token second last control. Mm. It was all running from there, but was a big long leg with route choices. And honestly, the first like two thirds of the course was kind of pointless. <laughs> <laughs> We were, it's we were, to tire like, you out so that you can't make this, that decision when you get yeah, to Yeah, we were kind of, like, I remember everyone's just watching each other. Like, people took some different routes, but it, it just got to this this last control in in the final and in my semi, the final I watched in my semi-final, it just got to this last control and then just either everyone went the same routes or took different routes and it was, it was sort of a one-leg race. And mm. it's really crucial to know what you're going to do there because that's the sort of game changer one if you mess that up it's there's no coming back so yeah yeah so I guess you're doing the same as what I do in commentary which is I I look at right where is the race going to be won and lost that's what I'm looking at like when do I think the decisive bit is so that I know to do it like just be more I don't know more alert or like to just be able to describe that to all of the viewers and everything but you're doing that as well in the race you don't have the luxury of me just having the map like several hours before so I can figure (laughs) out when the when the decisive bit's going to be yeah that's it's really the tactics is is finding out where where you can win that race and where not to lose that race yeah because some sometimes it's fine just to just to stick with the group and even if it's not the optimal, if you if you can plan ahead to where it's really going to matter, that could be a better use of your time. Mm. So it's yeah, it's a it's a completely sort of weird way of thinking about orienteering, and something you you never do as an individual. And it took me a few attempts to learn and and just practice. Mm. We've we had a good winter actually. We we got together a bit as the GB squad in sort of like Leeds, Swansea, Edinburgh. Mm. I did quite a lot of head-to-head and just some of the times you you do blatant following some of the times you try and take every other route that they mm. never take and it was it's been really useful actually racing the other the other guys and girls just to just to learn and yeah it's still a new <laughs> discipline we're all learning you know you yeah. guys are all learning there really haven't been that many on the world cup circuit yeah and there's no easy solution. I'd, lo- I'd love if there was that you always have this plan and apply the same plan, but you need you need a plan A, B, C. This is what I'd like to happen, but what if this guy just 
nails it off the front completely different direction to everyone else then what's the plan and because because some races have been tactical it's it's something i'm i'm waiting for a bit more i think in orienteering is like we see it in athletics a, a 1500 they just mm. jog round yep. <laughs> there's no reason for everyone to race these but i think we're just so ingrained as orienteers to do time trials yep <laughs> yeah but I've, I've started noticing a couple more that they're getting slow and people are actually kind of tactically waiting so it didn't it happened more in denmark than in in sweden but there was like long legs and the guy leading would just punch and just stop and it's just like i don't i don't want to lead this mm. i just want to follow like if it's not a decisive route it's it's sort of like one to two yeah you you're going okay i just want to not lose this race here i'm just going to follow you guys and we had a bit of this kind of actually like slower running and it it was so much fun because it's just a completely new sport <laughs> but it's it's hard to after spending a lifetime of running time trials and individuals to actually go all right all six of us here there's no need for us to leg it down this road as fast as we can mm. <laughs> well i quite like that yeah that everyone goes full pelt like most of the time anyway and you've got to be pretty confident to take it slow and back your kick to be honest like and not want to completely wear everybody else out it's just not the way yeah as you said that orienteers tend to see things see a race yeah and i mean I, i'm much more confident on the front doing my own nav but sometimes you've got to you got to look at the, the circumstances but but you look at like people like Meg Tove, who just have mastered the art of running off the front, and mm. it's it's the absolute sort of confidence in their own ability and their fitness, and it's really it's really cool to see that they 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 could do the sit and kick too, but it's it must be a, it's sort of yeah that real self belief that I can navigate and run still quicker than these people can run. Yeah which yeah. a good a good sprint orienteer can and it's 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 really cool to see the sort of different approaches some people take yeah that was what um like watching the races i noticed you, you know you bring up meg and she ended up with that silver medal and you could see the way she was running in the semi-final was very very different to the way she ran it three years ago in 2019 in 2019 she was kind of sitting back in the pack kind of waiting for other things to do it and I almost didn't believe that she believed she deserved to be in that final whereas this year I did feel that from just the way she was at the front she was always there she was taking control of the situation she was like I deserve to be in this final and she made it and she didn't just made it she came second um and then I almost feel like the next step is like to believe she can win it but it's kind of you know the, the mental, as you said, the confidence that you need to be able to run off the front and, and attack those races like that is is a really hard thing to achieve, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's it's impressive, to put it the least. <laughs> I was in the arena watching, cheering, not relaxing as I should have been. But <laughs> I don't care. It was it was amazing to watch both both Meg and Ralph and just because yeah slightly different approaches where Ralph just sort of he, he sat for half the course and then made a move and never looked back in the semi and just 
no one even got close and Meg's just yeah did it from the front and what Meg did in the final was just really cool to see just I think I was talking to her she was just like I just took a different route and I thought everyone would follow me (laughs) I just took the best route why did no one else take the best route (laughs) crazy (laughs) it was just and then yeah just were you guys all going mental watching her watching that race and cheering her on when you know she comes through the running leading the final oh of course and just yeah running back and forth just between the sort of screen and the run out and just shouting oh it's yeah it's really cool to see because mm. yeah as I say I'm I'm a fan as much as a, an athlete and like even if I'm at home I'm sitting watching dots and cheering on so <laughs> it's yeah it's it's really cool to see and just just yeah mm. sort of topped off a great it was a good day yeah was was this the one that you you would have liked to have had a, a chance to maybe submit a protest about with your quarterfinal <laughs> Uh, maybe yeah <laughs> it's probably it's probably not me I think I think the guy in fourth mm. I don't think I was ever getting to the semi I don't think so anyway but yeah I, a couple of people in ours crossed a hedge but it was pretty it was weirdly mapped and not taped but I feel sorry actually the the Danish guy Soren he he jumped the hedge jumped back because he realized he made a mistake and then sort of ran around and he actually lost a load of time mm. So, and he, he lost his race. Like there was no way he was qualifying. He did a really good job to actually sort of get, get back. But yeah, to see the fact he did that sort of lost the time. And then the person who didn't jump back got through. Yeah. Like it's, it's a bit sad. And obviously it happened, happened later in the semis as well. And it's, it's a dangerous precedent to set, to sort of say, oh, it's okay to cross this even though the map says you can't because mm. the, the rules are very clear that the map is the final guideline. Like they say they should, like they they try to tape things, but they don't. The hedge, I mean, if you taped uh, everything on that map, goodness me, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> crazy, you'd be like, using kilometers on tape. Yeah, you, you, you've got to, I, I have a lot of respect for the, like the none of the athletes are intentionally doing this, like, mm it's insanely hard like people are just like oh why did you jump up? like <laughs> it's insanely hard to track everything and do all this especially it's not like they're jumping over a massive two meter high hedge I think <laughs> the one in the quarterfinal apparently was only like 20 centimeters high or oh my gosh. <laughs> something yeah. and, and obviously in the semi it was like a an unmapped gap so mm-hmm. there's no sort of intentional sort of cheating by anybody it's just it's it's one of the sort of issues with sprint orienteering is the margins are so tight and we have all these forbidden features mm. and obviously controversy can come up and it will keep it, coming up it, it frequently does yeah yeah it's hard to know kind of how how you can fix it but i guess i guess we'll see i want to move on to um then to the sprint relay um having you know watched all the the knockout sprints got very excited for the team and then uh chris didn't run the uh knockout he wasn't feeling very well uh so presumably he was already a question mark and then you hear that ralph's also not feeling very well so when did you get the call up then to be in the first team so it wasn't so bad for myself because I think after I had quite a good result on Saturday, 
And so they, they picked, they provisionally picked the first, second and third teams after the JK, after the selections. Mm-hmm. And I was provisionally second and had done okay. So I actually got sort of the, if Chris doesn't run, you're in. Okay. So it was always like 50-50. But we went running in the morning and Chris went running and was sort of okay and was like, yes, like, I'd love to be in the first team, but I'd much rather see Chris running and mm. we have our full strength because even our second team was crazy strong. So I was, yeah, yeah. It, it didn't, it didn't really actually make that much difference because I went from a good team to a good team. I was always going to run. Mm. So I think, I think like my first Europeans, I got called up at sort of eight o'clock in the morning and I wasn't expecting to run. It wasn't uh. like there was, but here yeah. it was like, I was always going to be racing. Just My preparation team. didn't yeah. change. It's just which team. And like, as I say, that I didn't really feel much more pressure because I think we could have got a similar result in the team I was in. There's just so much depth at the moment that it was just, I guess maybe the label of the first team's a bit, a bit, a bit scarier. But. Well, I was going to say you, you. When I asked you immediately post race how it was like getting that last minute call up, you did use the word scary. <laughs> yeah, it, there definitely was sort of. Yeah, I, I think it's a bit of the label of sort of first team, and mm. it's it's my first time I think really in one of the top teams in like a, a World Cup or a or Walker, I think. Like I've always sort of, I've done a couple of like second or third team races and it's kind of been important, but we've never really been pushing for that top GB place mm. and especially a top GP, GB place that's a top in the world place, which was, yeah, entirely possible uh, on Sunday. Yeah. And it was. Mm. And then tell me about your reaction then when... Charlotte, oh, she's had such, she had such a great long oh. weekend. She absolutely, uh, you know, really proved herself with a great set of races, proved that, you know, the selection that she's got, she's going to run all three disciplines. That's the plan for the World Championships. Uh, and she comes back in such a great position after the first <laughs> leg. What was your reaction? Yeah, so we were, we were sort of like in quarantine and we had, we were like this little courtyard out the back. We couldn't see or hear anything and, was running round and then like four minutes to go we get sort of brought out into the arena and I, as soon as we get out in the arena I see I see Lena Strand go through and I see Charlotte go through and it's like okay but I, I don't have context and then sort of I hear on the commentary like and Lena Strand is leading and it's like oh <laughs> Charlotte's in second like come on and there was like big gaps so I was like I knew I had like a exciting race and yeah it was a, another little hit of sort of adrenaline it's just sort of make sure you know what you're doing don't get carried away because there'll be some good people around just 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 don't blow it just do what you do like I've had a lot of good technical races this year so I know I can do it and it's just just being able to keep us in the position and yeah and then she came in, I think, I think fourth, somewhere around around there, and yeah, went out and just just raced, and it was really really cool because went out just behind Tim. It's obviously sort of pretty run with Tim quite a bit, and 
Yeah, Tim Jeez. Robinson, he's a he's a Kiwi, two silver medals, um, you know, in the sprint and the knockout sprint. So pretty good guy, yep. Yeah, and so obviously it was, it was, it was my sort of, I went out about 10 metres behind him. I was like, I'd be lucky if I see him again. But <laughs> a nice little cheeky route choice through a car park and I managed to get on the back of him and Max and Joey joined us. Mm. And I just, I just sat, I sort of, I always think in sprint relays that you do your own sprint race and use others here. I use them a lot, a bit more. Mm -hmm. I, I planned, I sort of looked at routes, but I didn't really, I sort of went, this is okay route. This is okay route. And then took the route they took Mm. as long as it fitted with one of my okay ones. Mm. So I didn't, I didn't quite have the sort of forward thinking to go, this is the absolute best route, but it, it paid off and, at the beginning. And yeah, I was I actually felt good, which was quite a surprise after getting sort of spat out a bit in the quarterfinal yesterday. I didn't really have too many issues holding on to them, which is really nice. And then, yeah, unfortunately, I played this game a bit too long and towards the end just got a bit, I was starting to get a little bit dropped and was in between being in a pack and being by myself and that's hard wasn't wasn't decisive enough like I sort of knew what I wanted to do but kept on getting a bit dragged by others and then just a little a little hesitation I'd like miscounted a road and then I hadn't really planned ahead the next one and this led to sort of two 10 second mistakes in a row and it was just, just after that, it was just, I sort of lost that front group and then the second group caught me and it's just to sort of calm down. <laughs> you're still like, group, yeah, it's not that, you're not still that like sixth or seventh, yeah. like, and then got into the last loop and like navigated, sort of did my own navigation perfectly well. Yeah, a little, a little route choice mistake, but came in, yeah, absolutely dead, but it was... Yeah, I managed that's to finish off. That's what you have to do in your, you know, well. exactly. second, that then, second leg. You know, don't just... <laughs> don't mess it up and keep powering so, on. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really annoying because I think like it had the opportunity to be one of those sort of absolute top tier runs, which don't don't happen very often. And and the mistakes were stupid. Like if you look at the map, it's absolute sort of beginner mistakes. Mm. But I was probably just a bit too much in the red trying to trying well, to keep yeah, up with if them. you you know you're racing against alongside those guys maybe you you haven't raced alongside before by being in it that's what happens when you're in the the first team as it were you know and in a sprint relay situation like that that they're they you're hanging on the back you're going to be running probably quicker than you've than you'd run on an individual sprint maybe <laughs> yeah and it was hard not to be annoyed at myself at the end but it was just trying to put it into context that mm. look you're here you're, you've got a chance of a podium at a world cup which is just pretty surreal for me <laughs> like I haven't I think 22nd is my best so far and like obviously it's really thanks to sort of some pretty incredible teammates but it's just I just really yeah. didn't want to blow the opportunity because <laughs> you don't know when it's going to come round again and I'm sure it will at some point but like it's not every day you get a get a run with some really high quality athletes in a sort of competition like that. So, no. 
And then do you have a nervous last, you know, half an hour, you know, 25 minutes, half an hour watching watching the rest? Do you manage to get to watch the rest of the relay? Yeah, I was trying to follow and just running around asking people who had a phone what, what, what was going on, <laughs> how are we doing, where is everyone? But I'm just trying to, yeah, and I sort of, it looked like it was going well and I, I had so much confidence in Nathan and Meg, like they're both, I was pretty, like Nathan was always just going to do, I was pretty sure a, a solid result, like Again, and he like did have me, his, he had his best result he, in a you know GP vest, and unfortunately, that's not what everyone's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I know. If you haven't seen the clip, I'm sure it's up there. It's on Nathan's Facebook and Instagram. If you haven't seen it, of him running into a um, uh, a bike rack, hitting it pretty close to the, the place where it really hurts. Let's just say that way. <laughs> and I couldn't think of a guy who has a better sense of humour to take it well. To be honest. <laughs> no, and. Obviously, he every, he he did amazing. Yeah, like he did. considering considering, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that helped. Maybe a little spike of adrenaline. <laughs> what happened? But he was yeah yeah. And he had a great. He did exactly what I thought he would do. Like again, he's fair, he's really new to the. He's a bit new to the team. He had a great a great year last year, getting into walk and some some fantastic mm. results at walk sprint. And it's really good to see him come out again this year and. I think he said this is his first sprint relay and yeah. it just absolutely, absolutely nailed it. Just did what you need to do in a sprint relay and set set Meg off in a fantastic position. And yeah. yeah. She brought it home. Yeah, well, Nathan's got selected for the, the individual sprint again um, at Wok. So he's going. So let's just re- quick recap. So Chris, uh, Ralph, Charlotte and Megan have been selected for all three. So it's the... the Sprint, knockout sprint and sprint relay. Um, Johnny, you and Grace have been selected for the knockout sprint. Uh, where, so there's three runners per nation allowed for that. Uh, and then Nathan and Alice have been selected for the individual sprint. So um, congrats to, to all of them. So kind of we, we've kind of mentioned it briefly. You know, you've got that, the, the world champs in, in about a month. You have been to a world champs before, um, but then I think it was back, was it 2017, Estonia, running the long distance? So you have got that walk experience, then a few years just running some of the World Cups, not quite making it to that walk level. So how do you bring that experience into your last four weeks and, and what do you do now in this final bit to run up to that um, those world championships? Uh. I think I realize that's a really long question. Sorry. It is. It is. So, in terms of experience, like, so Walk 2017 was, it was a slightly strange one. I was really fit that year and really pretty good at sprint orienteering. Unfortunately, there was a lot of other people really good at sprint orienteering. So, I think at Walk, I think Chris, Chris actually didn't run the final because he was, I can't remember if he was injured or ill. But mm. so it was Chris Peter and uh, Chris Smithard, and I think Peter and Chris Smithard were like twelfth and thirteenth, and like I, th- I think I, I was, I was in top twenty at walk shape and just couldn't make the team, and it was a bit like, <sighs> oh. and then, <laughs> but I was, I was fit, and so I, I did the long test race and got in the team and mm. did some panic long training for a month, <laughs> took as many path routes as I could, and had a had a really had a really good experience at walk, but it. It wasn't really my target for long. It was a 
a consequence of being really fit, having mm. some really good training and being able to sort of utilize the previous years of forest orienteering. Mm. Whereas this year I've been really, everything's towards sprint, whatever discipline really. So it, it, it's a bit different and it feels like I've put, got a bit more on it. And for me, it's just getting in the shape that I need to for the world champs. Technically, I'm really happy with where I am. I've had, I don't know, we've had probably 10 or so serious races this this season and I've been pretty good in, I'd say, like good technical performances in maybe like eight of them. And the two that weren't probably not like the least important ones. So, yeah, um, it's, it's a strange place for me because I've always felt myself as the more sort of running orienteer, but right now I feel like, like I'm the technical one yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a nice position actually. And I just, cause I, I know what I need to do to get fast and that's, it's easy. It's just, just do some training. You've done that, you've done that before. Yeah. I've done it lots and I know how quickly it can come. So I'm not scared. Like it's just a sort of, it's a it's a piece in the jigsaw puzzle. I've got I've got lots I've got everything else there. Mm. It's just sort of finishing it off. And so, so is I'm, that I'm, is that short in short interval sessions, kind of strength work, things like that? What, what kind of things does that does that mean for you personally as as you meet, meet these last few weeks? Yeah, it's it's mostly it's either short, really short stuff, or sort of more speed endurance. So I probably won't be doing much over a k in my reps. So some that was like 200 where it's just really just reminding those <laughs> legs how to run really fast mm. and then a bit more in the sort of yeah two to three minutes of hard effort mm. just uh so I can sort of lay down that that pace because I've got I've got the base from just years of years of training and a good winter mm. it's just the the fine tuning and it's it's amazing how quickly the body can sort of adapt so I'm I'm pretty confident and we'll just we'll see what we'll see what Denmark has to offer in terms of the courses as well because mm-hmm. like if they're if they're anything like the knockout qual I'm in fantastic shape right now to do them so it's just sort of completing the package yeah and yeah seeing what it's like getting those last few bits getting all the little bits of geeking prep getting all the mental kind of stuff yeah. there as well and just those fine-tuning bits yeah and I'm pretty confident and I know what I need to do and you can't you can't do any more either so like like I knew I knew at this world cup I wasn't where I'd love to be but and I know that's what I needed and I did what I needed to do and you you can just you can just race with what you've got there's no need to try and pretend you're something else so yeah well fighting talk confident talk I love it that's what makes (laughs) a great orienteer is is confidence with with good reason, I think. Confidence with good reason is is always good for orienteering. Well, I feel like there's loads more I could ask you about, about growing up as an orienteer, about being a sprinter and all those kind of things. I think we will leave it, though, for now um, with that very intense look at... Um, at the World Cup and looking forward to the World Championships. I'm sure we'll do another podcast uh, coming up with an, a bit more of a preview uh, for those World Championships. But thanks so much uh, for joining me, Johnny, and I think we will leave it there for today. 